Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 14 of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. A weekly podcast discussing each week's manga chapter, news, and a reread of past chapters. My name is Thomas. And I'm Jordan. We do have one quick announcement again for this week. Next week, Shonen Jump itself will be on a break for Golden Week, so it will not be a new chapter release until May 9th. So again, we'll be continuing our Chrono Trigger stream this upcoming Friday, April 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern, sit specific. Tune in at twitch.tv slash inheritedwillpodcasts if you're interested. With that out of the way, we'll be jumping straight into the long-awaited chapter 1011, and later we'll be discussing chapters 155 through 166. Here we go. You got an easy week with this nice color spread, huh? (laughs) Indeed. No guesswork here. Made my coloring job very easy, Oda. I appreciate it a whole bunch. Blitz great. Not sure why Nami is enormous. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty much the only real thing I felt needed commenting on here. I like Frankie's hair, but giant Nami is something else. But is it a giant Nami, though, or are they all really small? Because all, like, the, the glasses and stuff, they're all real big, too. Someone maybe just get shrunk. Well, that's true. But there's a ladder that Sanji's on, so... <laughs> That's true. And that tree back there doesn't look like Nami size. Yeah. So. Could all be perspective, I guess. They're all having a good time, so it works out. Well, actually, Sanji looks kind of peeved, but everyone else having a great time. Well, he's looking at Zoro, so I can't really blame him. I also think that he probably made at least some of the treats they are having, so he's probably tired. Yeah, been a long day for him, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I like the Jimbe's here. He just kind of tipped the entire cone <laughs> into his mouth. Yep. That's very silly. <laughs> If he had two, it would be like bigger teeth. Yeah, pretty much. And I assume Usopp is going to drown soon. So R.I.P. to him. It was his time. He's done enough. <laughs> gotcha. So that takes us right on into the chapter proper. Chapter 1011, The Code of Sweet Beans. Very dramatic chapter title. Appreciate it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one for the ages. We start off here seeing our just our favorite boys, Killer and Kid. <laughs> And we are introduced to Big Mom's new homie, Hera. I mean, we don't see Hera, which is interesting to me. But we see what she can do. Yeah, the Fulgora is pretty intimidating. Indeed. It's a lot of electricity, I assume. The Onigashima skull is, like, enormous. And this is, this, like, lightning blast has taken up a fair chunk of it. So, yeah, goodness. Yeah, pretty good stuff. So presumably, like we were speculating last week, she made a new lightning cloud, I guess. Maybe it's actually pure lightning. That'd be interesting. Mm. A new homie to replace Zeus out of her own soul based off the name and how she kind of pulled it out of nowhere while she was down there. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it being just lightning, but I could see how Prometheus would think that that cuts out some of the worst parts of Zeus. The fluff in his brain, pretty much. That's the cloud. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just hope that Hera ends up with as cool a hat as Zeus has. God, I hope so, too. It's the only requirement (laughs) I have. Maybe they'll fight later and Hera will win and, like, claim that hat as her own. Ooh. Okay, and then Nami gives Zeus a new hat, and then we go from there. I like that plan. Back on the roof, though, Zeus is rather cross about being stuck in this box. Fortunately, it kind of crumbles around him. No problem. Law speculates... Just like I would, I suppose, that that happened because the kid got hit by a big lightning blast. So uh, he's free for the moment. Free-ish. Somehow I did not realize that it was Kid that was the one that was trapping him. Not sure why I didn't put that together. I mean, it's metal that trapped him. But I just, it completely went over my head when he was captured. I, too, am not sure how you missed that. I assume it was because of your tiny brain, but I'll forgive it this one time. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think of, like... If there was just a box that Law zooped him into, that was kind of how I took it. But magnetism kind of makes more sense to control an electric cloud, you know, so. You know, I actually don't remember for sure if the box was formed around him or if Law popped him into the box. I think you actually might be correct. I think Kid made the box. He said, all right, Law, I'm ready. And then he used his power to pop him in there. 
Okay, that would make me feel a lot better for sure. <laughs> if that turns out to be true, it turns out your brain is not as small as I claimed it was a minute ago. Slightly bigger, I'll take it. I'll go back and check later and then I'll issue a full apology if that turns out to be the case. Very good. But Law is concerned about Zeus being free. Don't need her to have the full mobility Zeus would provide. So when he pops himself and Zoro down, it looks like he takes Zeus with him. But uh, that actually kind of begs the question. How did Big Mom get back up there in the first place? Right. We don't actually see that. So unless she rides the lightning, um, I don't really know. And I don't think that that's true based off of what we see later in the chapter. We know that she can also ride on Prometheus. And it's real small, but I went back to the first page, and it doesn't look like she's on top of anything. And even in this next page, well, on the panel that she says, time to test you out, it kind of looks like that might be fire there behind her. Well, okay, I see what you mean now. Sure. I think that just makes the most sense. Yeah. But I would also fully believe that she could just jump <laughs> and be able to be that high. If she had something to jump off of, sure. Well, she landed on... Prometheus in the first place. That's why she didn't oh. die and drown. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I just, yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a ball of fire. I don't imagine that giving a very <laughs> solid platform to jump off of. <laughs> I suppose not. Uh, but hopefully we find out, uh, well, we probably won't because she's back indoors by <laughs> the end of this chapter. So we'll just have yeah. to speculate on this forever. On the following page, though, uh, Kaido's getting back up. He and Luffy are having one of those manly stare-downs. They had another big old non-touching clash in. Luffy is throwing out so many more kicks than I expected. I mean, I know that, like, his whole body is a weapon, effectively. Like, he has used all sorts, all limbs. Um, but I feel like punches are still his bread and butter, and a lot of the big sort of clashes here with Kaido have been with kicks. It's just, it's surprising to me. I don't know if that's come up in, in your thoughts, but that's where I'm at. Uh, it hasn't specifically, but I'm looking at that panel where they actually clash now. And mm -hmm. it does seem like if, even if they are equally matched in terms of power, which who knows if they are, but the fact that Luffy is like in the air would definitely give Kaido mm -hmm. an advantage in this <laughs> particular clash is he's you know rooted and swinging a club and yeah the club would be a huge fulcrum that would just amplify the power like I, I don't know i think it's of course it's cool like i love it i love that luffy's going in and actually doing something but physics wise i don't understand it <laughs> i'm now reasonably convinced that we'll see next chapter that kaido just smacked luffy into the sea like a baseball and that's just the end. <laughs> Could be. I mean, if, if Luffy was shown to be using, like, gear second or something, then I would be a lot more likely to just accept that. But I That's haven't true. seen any evidence of that. This is still presumably just Luffy in base using his Conqueror's hockey business. And he's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kaido, so presumably he only gets buffer from here with gear second, third, and even fourth. Yeah, but again, like, I know that we talked about this before, but this is Kaido in his hybrid form. Like, is Luffy just going to be able to break the world in half when he goes <laughs> into year four? Like, what is going on? Could happen. And maybe Kaido has, like, another secret ability that he's been hiding that provides some sort of buff. But there's also, hmm, maybe he's an awakened Zoan, so he maybe he does have, like, an additional, like, even buffer form beyond this. That's true. That's true. If anyone were to be awakened, I'd put my money on Kaido. Right. If Doflamingo and Katakuri could be awakened power users, don't see why this guy couldn't. But we'll yeah. have to see how this goes, next chapter or whenever. Back inside to the spot where Killer and Kid got blasted indoors. I assume they're on the third floor based on how they're like, gotta go down. Yeah, the diagram is not as clear as it could be for sure. Uh, but they are... Somewhat distressed that they were blasted into a building. Don't know where Big Mom is. They assume she is on the floor below, and they don't want him to team back up with Kaido, so got to go head her off. Fair enough. So right here on page, I guess, 8 it would be, where they're talking about she can't tell where they landed. Who do you think is saying kid there? At first I thought it was maybe Hawkins, but then looking at the next page, 
the sword comes from the direction that they were running in, it looks like. So Hawkins wouldn't be where they landed. Yeah. It's not Killer. Killer's to the right of Kid. He sure is. <laughs> Maybe they, like, hit somebody and smooshed them, and they're like, oh, I got crushed by Captain Kid. Let me groan his name. But what would be the point of that? I like, <laughs> I thought for sure it was Hawkins, but I went back and I double-checked, and I convinced myself that it's probably not. Doesn't seem so. I mean, they get, like, a solid dash in before they encounter him, and like you said, he's in front of them. Yep. Maybe he's just, like, a cool guy that, like, is so fast he could zip around him. Who knows? Yeah, that's Hawkins' main thing, right? Speed. <laughs> Indeed. It's definitely not his weird, like, straw abilities. It's how dang fast he is. Yeah. Until proven otherwise, I'm going to assume it's some rando that got smooshed. <laughs> Very odd. Yeah, a weird choice. Speaking of Hawkins, though, uh, here he is. He's back in the story. Turns out he was here all along. Not dead, like I thought he probably should be. Talking shit on my man Hawkins? Well, the last time that I remember seeing him was when Law was dealing with him, and hmm. I just don't see a reason for Law to mercifully leave him alive, I guess. Like, he is an enemy. We did actually see him one time after that. It was after the Onidashima conflict started in the chapter. I don't remember if it was the same chapter or not, but right before Drake was ousted as a traitor, he and Hawkins here were seen in a room discussing something. And Hawkins was like, I predict there's like a 90% chance or something that that man won't be alive tomorrow. Don't know who he was talking about. But. Right, right. I had forgotten that. But you're right. I'm not sure why Law would have left him alive back in that confrontation or at least, you know, in pieces or something. Take his heart. Do something. Yeah. Law has so many moves that he could do to at least hinder this dude, but uh, doesn't seem to have. No. Uh, it might turn out maybe we know that Law is coming down here at some point, so maybe he'll like show up during the soon-to-be-set-up killer hawkins confrontation and reveal that indeed he does have his heart that's how would he know yeah <laughs> you know? that's true he can't peek inside his own chest cavity that's, that is true on another note hawkins has been way more polite <laughs> than i expected him to be in this meeting like polite, huh? well he says like you did well to survive in the battle and he wishes killer luck and like he says he appreciates kid leaving like it's very formal it feels I don't know. But then Killer tells him to go to hell, and that was extremely satisfying for me. I agree with everything you just said, except for the bit where you considered him saying best of luck to you as, like, polite or formal. Because I interpreted that to be him being a sassy pants after saying that the guy's got a 92% chance of dying. He's like, 92% chance of me winning. Good luck, punk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it is. it is cocky. You're probably right that it is just, like, come at me i did really enjoy that sequence of panels after he starts growing though because the juxtaposition between him relying on his fortune telling and killer just being like hey guts though yeah nice little moment it is they're both very confident in their beliefs <laughs> good for the both of them it's true and i don't really care for either of them so no matter how this ends i'm okay do you think killer actually has a shot here do you think he can actually stand up to like one of the captains <laughs> well of his generation I feel like I still don't have a full grasp on Hawkins' powers. I feel like he could be incredibly broken if he put his mind to it. Like right now, there are definitely people around him. And if he has those straw doll effigies or whatever to like just keep himself alive forever, then I don't know about Killer's chances. But if like maybe he needs to concentrate on being in this straw golem form, then maybe. Like, I could definitely see Killer, a, I guess, blade expert, going up against a man made of straw and doing quite well. But not if he can just revive himself every time. Yeah. I think it all depends on if there is a limit on how many times or how many straw dolls he can have at once. And if there's, like, a recharge period, kind of, between being able to refresh them. Mm. Which I don't think has been shown yet. And... It also could depend on whether or not he can just turn Killer himself into one of his effigies. Yep. Which would, you know, completely screw him, if that's the case. Because I don't think it works in the opposite direction. If he makes Killer into an effigy, I don't think Hawkins damaging Killer 
will then hurt himself. No, you know, yeah. He only works in the one direction. I'm with you. I also just remembered that, like, Killer is at least damaged somewhat, for sure. He did not have it easy up on the top floor. So, like... Yeah, he took a couple hits. Yeah. Most recently, the Fulgoro or whatever from Hera. So, like, he's already down a bit. So I'm starting to question his chances more and more. But also, I don't know. This is his time to shine. <laughs> so while I don't think... I'm going to say it. I don't think Killer's going to win, but I think he's going to put up a damn good fight. We'll have to see what happens. I'm going to be kind of bummed out if one of the worst generations only role in this conflict is to be a versus battle against Killer, considering how much of a big role that even a Pooh has gotten as like the bearer of the antidote mm -hmm. and how much of a role Capone got in the last arc. But, you know... Oda doesn't really seem to know what to do with this man just yet. Yeah. Maybe he'll go on to do bigger and better things. Maybe he'll swap sides yeah. <laughs> at some point. Killer has been fighting Big Mom and Kaido. That's something. Even if he wasn't doing all that much, he was still up there. True. So while it's not as cool or as central as the other two that you mentioned, like, yeah, it's still there. It does kind of suck. But again, if it's going to suck for anyone, I'm fine with it being Killer. <laughs> gotcha. Back on the second floor, the floor below where this conflict is happening, it seems that page one has grabbed onto the butt of our swirly dog friend, and uh, Nami and Usopp are real desperate to get him off of there. Yeah, Komachio does not seem happy about this at all. I can't imagine page one is light. No. <laughs> so that's a lot, of, uh, <laughs> a lot of additional weight on his butt back there. Yeah. This is a weird situation to be in, for sure. Like, I don't, I don't know how they got to this situation where page one is just <laughs> holding on to the tail, but with Usopp and Nami keeping him in check, it makes sense that he at least can't climb up. I suppose so. I mean, I can't imagine the physical blows that are happening here are impacting page one, like, at all, pretty much. So it is a little weird that he wouldn't just, you know, climb up the rest of the way or throw the dog to the ground or do something aside from eat these hits. But he does seem to be pretty exhausted from the hop. Like, even in the first page where we see him, he's already huffing and puffing. Yeah, so for sure. Maybe he's just, like, taking a break. <laughs> this is his off time. <laughs> like, well, they've been taking shots at his face. Even if you are a dinosaur devil fruit user, I think your face is still going to hurt when it's hit. <laughs> like, Probably. Usopp and Nami, while they are kind of the bottom of the crew, they're nothing to, like, shake a stick at. They'll do some damage, you know? That's true. Usopp fires off a firework flowers attack, knocks him off with, I don't know if it's actually like a flashbang or an actual fire attack or what's going on there. Uh, considering Nami says that the heat is searing, I would guess that it's more an actual fire, but I guess a flashbang would be hot as well. Indeed. But he says firework flowers, so I'm going to assume that right. what Usopp says is correct <laughs> until told otherwise. Then he follows up with a special attack, exploding pine cones, which does seem to do some damage to him, but not enough to put him down. Poor page one. Which is surprising. Those are some big explosions. Like, each one Indeed. of those pine explosions looks to be, I don't know, three quarters the size of Komachio. Yeah, looks like, just about. But these dinosaur Zoan users are known for their tankiness. Yeah. Even page one, when we first saw him back then, was taking hits from Sanji. That's true. In the raid suit. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And that was Sanji having just gotten the raid suit. So I think he was just kind of like digging around with this guy. But, you know. Still. Even so. Yeah. Then we find out that something we've suspected for a long time, you, me, and everybody else, mm -hmm. that indeed it appears that only smile users, not proper devil fruit users, are affected by the, the TB Dango. I feel like this is a little bit of a strange way to reveal that info, but I am glad that it's finally here. I don't think it's that odd. I mean, if I were Usopp, I'd be cursing my misfortune that <laughs> the easy way out wouldn't be working in this scenario. And I assume that he knows this because they tried, <laughs> you know? That's true. I think this is probably just me being a curmudgeon about so many things being said out loud that mm. I would not say out loud in these situations. <laughs> Like, when Otama, I think, later is like, oh, if only I could get to the floor, and then I could really change the... Like, you should not be saying that with 
the enemy around. Like, just don't do that. I suppose so. In this particular instance, the enemy is already literally on their butt. So, like, you know, what's he going to do to change his tactics now that he knows that that's her plan? He still intends to tear him up. They have ways to communicate with each other. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I would keep as much information close to the chest as I could, but maybe that's just me. But Jordan, oh no. Big Mom is here to turn a bad situation even worse. <laughs> it's cool. We've got Otama. She is more endearing than even Luffy. <laughs> it seems so. Even Luffy couldn't turn Big Mom into an ally, but Tama can. At least for the moment. Mm-hmm. Also, I like that Big Mom does not use any of the names of the Straw Hats. She's just like the Cat Burglar, the Long Nose. <laughs> Like, she doesn't even call Luffy by his name. He is Straw Hat to her, and I think that's... Just Straw Hat. It's, it's like she's not willing to even recognize them to the amount of giving them a name, which makes sense. Yeah. She does still consider them to be beneath her, even Luffy. So this does seem to check out for the time being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It seems that Big Mom does remember her time as Olin, which makes sense. I don't can't think of any reason why she would forget those memories after she got her proper memories back right so she remembers otama and the town that was kind to her and then big mom bringing that up prompts tama to tell big mom about the fate of that town which is the town that we saw right before the raid started that was getting messed up by a hold'em for uh eating the food supposedly big mom thinking back to uh how kind otsuru was to her and how tasty and delicious that little bowl of oshiruko was And she gets real mad that Kaido would just burn down a town that was kind to her. Yeah, it's an interesting little character development. With Prometheus on the previous page saying that she goes into mother mode around children, like, that does, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Two things here that I kind of want to talk about. The person that says, go away, we're in the middle of something, to a charging page one (laughs) is probably my new hero. (laughs) Uh, like that's Usopp. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell if it was Usopp or uh, Otama, honestly. But like, it's just like <laughs> this dinosaur is running at them full speed. And he's just like, well, hold on. <laughs> We're in the middle of some emotional stuff right now. Come back later, Dino Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's very good. It's very silly. And the other? The other is that I am shocked with the fact that we see big mom this much like she is the center of attention for the last like what four or five pages something like that Mm -hmm. but we don't see Hera at all do you think this is Oda building up to a big reveal with Hera or do you think Hera's on some side mission right now like why would it be done this way you know I'm not sure because we've never seen any of her homies have the ability to like disappear or go back inside of her or anything like that they just kind of become smaller cuter versions of themselves when they're in like passive mode i guess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it is a little strange that Hera wouldn't be here unless like you said she's off doing something else but why would she right exactly (laughs) i can't think of what Hera like maybe Hera's going to fight zeus to like get a little bit more of a power boost i don't know man Maybe Big Mom has her scouting around to try and find Kid, because that's why she's here in the first place. She's here to mm, mess up okay. Kid some more. And she kept okay. Prometheus there as, you know, she got to have a weapon too, you know. I like that. That'll be my headcanon for now. That's good. That's my best guess for the time being. Um, yeah. Then we flip the page, and lo and behold, big old punch from Big Mom. She is very upset about this whole Oshiruko situation. She says that even in the pirate world, there's a code of honor. And... Dex, page one, right in the neck, with what I assume is a conqueror's hockey non-touch punch. I would agree. Do you think page one is getting up after this, or or what? It looks kind of like his neck got straight up snapped. <laughs> it does kind of look like that. And even Queen, back when he had a conflict with Big Mom and Udon, he could only take two hits, I think, from Big Mom before he went down for a little while. Mm -hmm. We assume, obviously, that Queen is tougher and stronger than Page One. So it wouldn't surprise me if he went down. It also looks like she 
almost punches him through the floor in the next panel. I did not notice that the first time through, but dang. Poor guy. And this is not the only big attack that uh, Page One has taken in this conflict. That's true. He took on Luffy a little bit a while ago. He's been taking Usopp and Nami, Smacks, etc. for some time. He's not even in his hybrid form here. This is just straight up dino form. Indeed. I don't know if that impacts defense (laughs) specifically, but... I would imagine it does in some way. I don't know which would be better or worse, but I doubt they're the same. Indeed. But this whole Big Mom page one thing is a bit of a sticking point for me. I was telling you about this a couple days ago, Jordan, but I got spoiled on this panel of uh, her punching page one when the scans came out a couple days ago. Okay. This is what you were spoiled on. Okay, (laughs) okay. So this has been kind of stewing with me (laughs) for a few days now. It seems to me that this whole Big Mom versus Page One business is another symptom of a long-brewing concern I've had with how Oda has been handling fights for the past long while, or at least that's how it seems to me. Now, I'm going to be speaking purely from my own perspective as a long-time reader of One Piece and many other shonen manga. So, to the dear listeners out there, please understand if my opinion doesn't necessarily mesh with yours. Jordan, you're stuck with my opinion one way or the other, so tough for you, but... I've already got my pitchfork and torch out, man. (laughs) Please, I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, you feel about what I'm about to say. Yeah. In a shonen manga arc... When you really simplify it and you boil it down to its like core components, you spend the beginning bits of an arc granting context to the like shonen fights that come later. You introduce your protagonist and your antagonist, and you create the circumstances under which they will come into conflict later, right? So, for example, the majority of like the Wano mainland bit of this arc, pretty much setting up for this war that's happening right now. Basically, the fights are the payoff to a lot of the early setup bits. But it seems to me that recently, pretty much since the time skip, Oda has been content to mostly breeze past the cool one-on-one shonen battles that we used to build up to, for example, in the Ennis Lobby arc. Now, I personally have been waiting for quite some time to get the Ennis Lobby shonen cool guy battles we've been lacking, again, from my perspective, since the time skip. I, as a reader for at least a decade, I'm sure, want to see the characters that I care about, primarily the Straw Hat Pirates, fight the antagonists. Mm-hmm. But, aside from a few isolated examples, like Zoro versus Pika and Frankie versus Senor Pink and Dress Rosa, Oda has only really felt the need to flesh out the Luffy fights post-Fishman Island. Uh, he also fleshed out the fights with uh, the Grand Fleet members like Bartolomeo and the Dante Hote family and all that, back in Dressrosa as well. But as a whole, I'd say that he's been really focusing down on the Luffy fights compared to all the other Straw Hats in particular. And it just seems to me that with the Straw Hats back together and coming into a full-blown conflict with the Yonko crew for the first time, now's the time to have those full-fledged cool guy battles. But with all the stuff that's been off-screened recently and now this... Big Mom seemingly sniping page one from Usopp business, and how it also seems like we're already waist deep in the Luffy versus Kaido fight, it just seems like it's getting less and less likely that the core members of our crew are going to get like the real battles that we, I, <laughs> crave. Mm-hmm. I'm very concerned that even the fights that have already been set up in this arc, like Frankie and Jim Bays and Robins, are going to be mostly off-screen, or just kind of breezed through in the span of a few pages. And the fights that we thought were being set up, like Usopp versus Page One and Nami versus Ulti, now just aren't going to happen. Now, I hope, I really hope that I'm making a fuss over nothing. I really hope that next chapter, Page One gets up and Usopp takes them or something. Because the battles that we've seen off screen so far were not so important stuff, like the Scabbards versus Conjuro, and then it turns out that Conjuro was still alive anyway. And, Again, maybe page one will get up after this, but it's just that the more times these sorts of things happen, the more concerned I become, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally fair and valid. It, it has been a bit of a trend. 
I'm not sure if Oda has some master plan here. My guess would be that the man is just tired. <laughs> it would be a lot of effort to do a full-fledged fight for even half of the straw hats at this point, you know? Like, I mean, would it really, though? I mean, I don't know the effort that goes into making manga, right? But I'm not asking for, like, ten chapters of Usopp versus page one. Just, like, focus in on that for a chapter, maybe two. And there's ten straw hats, so... Right. I'm totally with you. I'm not disagreeing in any regard. I'm just trying to give the benefit of the doubt to Oda. Because I know that he puts a lot of effort into this. And I don't know. You're right. Like, I do... I want to see these battles where people actually get to showcase what they've learned or developed. We've only gotten small little snippets of it. So, yeah. Like, you, you are right. And now I'm a little mad about it. <laughs> but I also... I try to put as much faith in the, the man Oda as I can, you know? I've also been seeing argument, certainly recently, I don't think it's like a, a mainstream idea or anything, but every now and then I'll sort by new on Reddit or something and I'll see what I think is a bad take, you know? Mm -hmm. But I've been seeing an argument circulating that it made sense that the Straw Hats wouldn't be able to get 1v1 battles here because they're obviously weaker than the executives of Kaido's crew, to which I respond... Even if that is true, that's not a good reason to not give these guys fights. Yeah, I'd rather see them lose than not see them fight at all, honestly. And even then, in every battle in One Piece pretty much ever, our boys are paired off against opponents who appear to be tougher than them initially. Mm -hmm. That's also just kind of how Shonen works. It's not that's very true. fun to watch our guys easily beat weaker opponents all the time, right? Yeah. And also, consider this. Not you specifically, but the people who believe that. <laughs> if Luffy is to become the king of the pirates, which means surpassing his contemporaries for the title, meaning Kaido, Big Mom, etc., doesn't it also make sense for Luffy's executives, in quotes, to surpass the executives of those same contemporaries? We're nearing the end game now. So if yeah. Luffy is gearing up to beat Kaido this arc, does it really make sense for people like Sanji, Jinbei, Zoro, whoever? To not be able to beat people like Queen and Jack? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this at least a little bit before. And, like, all of these Straw Hats have a dream that they're trying to reach, right? Mm -hmm. But not all of them are, like, combat-based. Sure, Zoro is. He wants to be the best swordsman. But, like, pretty much everyone else is just going along for the ride you know Sanji wants to find all blue Frankie made the ship that's gonna sail the world like all of those things still kind of need to be wrapped up as well uh it doesn't necessarily fit the vibe of shonen to have them go to an ocean where there's every type of fish but it still needs to be addressed and like that is part of the one piece story so there is more to come that isn't necessarily just fist flying I don't know. That's I don't true. know if that's anything, but I'm throwing it out there. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up my little mini rant. I don't know how long it was going on, but uh, I don't think I said anything unreasonable. And I hope that I at least articulated my points well enough that people can understand. And again, I hope that my concerns are misplaced. It's just one of those gotta wait and see type deals. Was there anything else that you had to say about this chapter before we... Uh, Move on to the news? Nope. We were pretty efficient this time. Alrighty. Again, break next week because of Golden Week. The next chapter hits on May 9th. That takes us into the news. As speculated a while back, I don't remember exactly when I said this, but the One Piece heroine short stories originally released piecemeal in the One Piece magazine will be sold as a book starting June 4th in Japan. The book will also contain things not found in the original magazines. No word on a Western release. We'll have to wait and see, but we got, like, the Ace novel and stuff. I would imagine that this will also come westward at some point. There is also going to be an orchestral concert at the Suntory Hall in Tokyo on May 7th, with tracks including, but not limited to, We Are, Bensake, and a Wano Country medley. Similarly, no word of anything like this coming to the West, but... Maybe, if we're lucky, they'll sell tickets for a overseas stream broadcast 
kind of like how the Ace Attorney stream did a couple weeks back. Oh, I would love that. That'd be amazing. Indeed. I didn't turn into that, but if a One Piece one happened, I'd consider dropping amount of money for it. I'd do it just for that Wano medley that you brought <laughs> up. That sounds... Yeah. That's, that's my shit right now. Right. <laughs> and lastly, the results of the global popularity poll are not out, but they are set to be announced on the official One Piece YouTube page on May 5th. Naturally, once we actually have those results, we'll be announcing and discussing them on the show. But if you want to see it when it drops, I'll have a link to that channel down in the description below. That's all I got for the news this week. Anything you want to say about any of uh, that crud before we move on to the reread? Nope, I'm ready to jump in. Like you said, we're doing 155 to 166. This is the, I mean, it's the start of Alabasta. There's a lot that happens in it. 166 is, that's like when they're, We'll get there, but that's where they learn that the rebel base has moved and they kind of alter their plan with the new information. Indeed. Uh, so, with 155, we start with some good old-fashioned gaslighting from Crocodile. Um, <laughs> he is he is technically helping, which is great, you know? Like, he's taken out these pirates that show up. But that's about as far as it goes. He's still, still evil. Definitely does not have these people's best intentions in mind. Is it really gaslighting, though? I mean, his attitude throughout that entire conflict is like, too bad, peasants, I'm not doing this for you. <laughs> I mostly said gaslighting as a joke, <laughs> just because it's it's weird to me as someone who's caught up to see citizens being like, oh, crocodile, yay! <laughs> so well, like, We also got to remember that like, he's a Shichibukai, he's been on this island for, I think, 10 years, I want to say? I was reading an SBS or something for something we'll go into a little bit, but he's been like... 10 years? Yeah, he's been like setting up shop on this island like pretty much ever since he became a warlord. Huh. Okay. I mean, I remember all the talk of the no rain, but that was all for three years. I guess I, I missed that bit of the SBS. You didn't miss that SBS yet? Because of something I want to talk about in a minute, I went and looked up a future SBS. Ah, okay, okay. So you didn't miss it. Gotcha. So no, it's it's not actual gaslighting. So the crew, they eventually arrive at Alabasta, but not before their brief sojourn with Mr. Bone Clay, where he plants a lot of seeds for what's going to happen later in this arc, Certainly which is does. pretty neat. They take their, their precautions, and you know we all remember the X on the left arm. Spoilers, jeez. <laughs> but I wanted to bring up the fact that Bone Clay can turn into Chopper, right? That's not a big deal. Can he turn into Karoo? Can he turn into animals? Can he turn into anything with a face? Because hmm. Karoo gets the X on his wing. But we never see Bon Clay turn into Karoo. Not that I remember, at least. And he says that he has to touch things' faces. Animals have faces. That's true. Chopper's an animal. But he's also a man. So Yeah. <laughs> But I think he touched him in his hybrid form, which I guess is better than the deer form. But True. I, it's just, I, I have questions about this man. If I were to guess, my guess is no. He probably can't turn into people that aren't at least part human, I guess. I think mm -hmm. they put the bandage on Carew's arm as like a precaution, like just in case, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I think that Oda just kind of just specified Chopper in this instance because he is part man and it kind of gives him a way out of having to explain it, I guess. Oh, for sure. That's my best and only guess. Odd choice, Oda. Odd choice. Yeah, yeah. I just want to know more about him because that could be a really dangerous devil fruit if you turn into, like, a worm by accident or something. They don't have hands. They can't touch their face. Yeah, that's true. Danger, man. Mm -hmm. But we also find out that, like, in Wano, as a matter of fact, that the previous owner of the fruit didn't need to touch their face to transform. True. Is that just something that Bon Clay does <laughs> because he thinks it's cool? I could totally <laughs> see that. <laughs> she also could have just had better control over the fruit, for sure. Maybe. She was very I, I see Bon awesome. Clay as being a dude who likes to mess around fairly often. True. Once they're in Alabasta proper, Luffy starts running for a restaurant where big bro Ace is chilling. 
And we get a few interesting things here to talk about. Okay, so Smoker's chasing down both Luffy and Ace right now, mm -hmm. right? And I believe during one of the panels, someone, I think one of Smoker's subordinates, says basically like, whoa, watch out. This is going to be Smoker versus the second division commander of Whitebeards. Like, stuff's about to get crazy. Mm -hmm. And it does, but my question is basically, if Smoker is equal to Ace, which we know that they are because Ace himself says it, he straight up says we're too evenly matched to finish this fight right now. Mm -hmm. if, if that is the case, well, I have always suspected that Smoker is purposefully staying lower in the rankings, kind of like Garp. I don't know if that has ever been said, but if it hasn't, this is pretty good evidence as to him doing that. I've always interpreted this bit with Ace and Smoker as Ace saying fire and smoke are evenly matched as elements, not specifically Ace and Smoker being equal. Well, sure, but here, let, let me toss this one up to you. Giant fireball versus very tiny smoke, not going to be equal. <laughs> sure, but... Like, it's not just that. They would have to match each other's power output at least pretty close, like in the same way that like Akainu and Aokiji or whatever. Like, they are opposites, but kind of close to equal at the very least. Sure, but I've also interpreted that bit as Ace just kind of not dicking around per se, but I don't think he wanted to get into a full brawl with the Navy here when his goal is to just meet up with Luffy. Let's say he takes out Smoker here with ease or otherwise. Odds are the Navy is going to send someone buffer to take on one of Whitebeard's stronger crewmates, right? So I think Ace was just trying to like the to mitigate the situation to the best of his ability and not okay. have a full brawl. You think it was a tactical move? I do. Okay. I mean, I can buy that. I'm still going to say that they're pretty close in my head because Smoker has been, he's been in the Navy for a long ass time. He's got a long list of accolades behind him, but he, he seems to have his own separate mission. You know, that's kind of why I like him so much. Uh, and I guess I am probably boosting him up a little bit because I like him. So everyone take that with a grain of salt. He also got to consider that I personally don't believe that hockey had been conceived of by this point in the series. But mm. in universe, Ace should have hockey by this point in the story. Oh, yeah. Smoker, we know, does not. That's a good point. So that alone would give Ace a big advantage. <laughs> yeah, I had not been considering hockey, but that is, that is a very good point. Well, okay, moving on from Smoker and Ace. Here we learn about Ace hunting down Blackbeard, and he says that Blackbeard killed a crewmate while he was part of the Whitebeard Pirates, and then he just left. Do we know who Blackbeard killed? Uh, yes. His I don't know if it was drawn into in this part of the story, but his name was Thatch. He was the cook, I believe, of Whitebeard's crew, and I think the third division commander? Okay, so that uh, is... I mean, it would have been serious regardless of who it was, but that's, that's a bigger offense than I thought it was. Okay. Fourth Division Commander. Oh. Apologies. Yeah. But one of his buffer guys, presumably. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's impressive. This is, again, building up the, just the ominous air, the terror surrounding Blackbeard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to see these little tidbits dropped here and there, especially when you see what Ace can do in this chunk. Like when he is leaving the Straw Hats and he does that cool move where he, like, kicks his surfboard ship underneath the water and then fire fists <laughs> through three big-ass boats. Like, yeah. <laughs> considering they're sending that man after Blackbeard, Blackbeard already is pretty buff at this point, and he has just been in the background gathering power the whole time. Yep. For decades. <laughs> Sometimes I forget how scared of that guy I have to be. <laughs> the man with a plan, that Blackbeard. He's very, very patient. Mm -hmm. That itself is a very scary quality. Yeah, yeah. We also have to remember that eventually that has to be tied up, going back to like the whole who's stronger than Kaido thing. I don't know if Blackbeard is necessarily stronger, but he is definitely tricky. <laughs> like he is, he's going to be a tough fight just because of who he is and the fact that we know so little about him. 
Yeah, I, I would be very surprised if just setting himself up as a Yonko was Blackbeard's ultimate goal that's been stewing in his brain for 20, 30, however many years. So got to be something else going on with that guy. Yeah, there's no way. That would be disappointing. In this chunk in Alabasta, we really get a big display of Odo's creativity with the animals that he introduces. Like, we get the the banana dials, banana gators? Uh, one of those. <laughs> I always forget if it's crocodile or alligator. I would think it would, it's supposed to be a crocodile, because that's the guy's name. But but I think Mr. Three, when he gets sent down, he says it's a banana gator. I'm going to look this up real quick, see what the Japanese have to say mm, good, about good this person. idea. They're called banana wani in the Japanese version. How do you say crocodile in Japanese? <laughs> According to Google Translate, crocodile is called kurokodairu. Well, that's just... <laughs> that's not what I asked you, <laughs> Google. I don't need oh, how to boy. pronounce it in Japanese. Okay. That's great. I'll look into this later. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, regardless, <laughs> we get the banana dials, we get the lizard runners, kung fu jugan, and, well, my personal favorite, Banchi, the Stetson wearing smoking, <laughs> too old for this shit transport turtle. Oh, yes. Everybody's friend. Yours and mine. <laughs> yes. So I just, I, I really appreciated it. It made me think of the time where they're like, just going on a bunch of islands and they run into like the long animal island and all that. Mm -hmm. I just, I love to see Oda's creativity and it's interesting to see it earlier on. Like all of the stuff in Wano, of course, is great. I love seeing the weird ass smile fruits that come out with animals in weird places. Mm -hmm. But like, this is just, it hits different for some reason. And I just, I don't know. It makes Alabasta that much more memorable. It makes it a lot more like grounded it feels like a real place all of these animals make sense for a desert climate or yeah. the like kind of lush climate that it used to be i think that's probably the reason that you feel differently about these animals compared to smiles is that endemic life is like part of what makes an island feel like it could be a natural place right mm -hmm. it's like part of the mm -hmm. world building of One Piece to like have all these like native creatures as opposed to the smile fruits that are just like you know dudes with abominations weird, you know, honestly yeah. dudes with weird powers that look and behave terribly but yeah I agree with that that's something that Oda really does well and pretty much always will even on Wano we've got like the weird like swirly dog and like the fox and all of them but that's true we do we do have a lot of as you said endemic life there too I had, I had forgotten that but yeah, it amazes me. I am not someone that has a lot of creativity, at least in that regard. So I just, I appreciate it every time. Even though, like, the lizard runners, they came up once, and they'll probably <laughs> only come up that one time. Probably. But that that almost makes it better to me, because that's so Oda to just be like, here's a thing, either enjoy it or don't, deal with it. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> so that, that was great. What wasn't great was Vivi's prep job for the Straw Hats. In my opinion, she did a pretty poor job. <laughs> she makes sure that they have, like, the proper clothes to traverse the desert and water and food, but she did not tell them about something called the giant Sandora dragon. <laughs> when she knew what it was, she knew it was out there. Same with the birds. She didn't warn them about birds that will steal your stuff. Like, she knows who she's traveling with. She's been with Luffy long enough that she should know that he's going to pull some cockamamie thing and just, oh, so much of this could have been avoided if she just would have prepped them a little better. Yeah, she did a fine job prepping them with, like, supplies, but did not arm them with knowledge. Right. Physically, did great. <laughs> Mentally, eh. In her defense, though, she's got a lot on her mind. So, you know, forgetting, I mean, I don't know if this excuses forgetting like the giant dragon that pops out of the sand. But, you know. I know. It's just the fact that it has a <laughs> title. I was like, okay, yeah, you should know about that and say something. But also it was proven earlier that she can be pretty forgetful considering she didn't recognize Mr. Two <laughs> after having a full description of the man as someone who dances around and dresses like a swan. And So uh, I can understand her mind being in other places and being distracted. Sure. Indeed. Speaking of that dragon, though, 
all this time, I mean, not all this time, but for a while, in my brain, this bit where Luffy, Zoro, and Sanji bop the Sandora dragon, in my brain, that's where the term monster trio originated from. Oh. I just always thought that after they did that, like Nami or Usopp referred to them like, oh, that's the monster trio or whatever. But uh, unless the text is different in the old scans I would have been reading originally all those years ago, or maybe that's what it says in the original Japanese or something, that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, they didn't specifically say monster trio. I think one of them did say like, oh, up against those three, it didn't stand a chance. But mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting that you kind of created that memory there. <laughs> right. I'll be curious to like look into where that term actually came from mm. if it's even in the the actual text of the story or if it's fan made or yeah or what. make sure to fill me in when you figure that out maybe let's see i have a oh i have another minor grievance since i know you love those so much thomas oh boy here we go <laughs> so you remember the part where luffy eats the crazy cactus yeah i do so after that chopper stops him with a sedative how did choppy have that when all of their supplies and personal belongings were just stolen by the birds well, Chopper carries around a backpack on his person, doesn't he? But Sanji says that all of their supplies and personal belongings. I guess I didn't double check to see if there's a backpack, but... I'm inclined to believe that Chopper wouldn't have just, like, ditched his medical supplies on, like, their their cart or whatever it was they were using to get stuff across the desert. You think he would make Zoro pull him and his supplies? Yeah, actually, he would. He totally <laughs> would. <laughs> no doubt about that. And also, it's, a, it's an itty-bitty backpack, you know. Yeah, perfect for keeping needles in. <laughs> yeah. Could also just be one of those shonen gags, but uh, I think in context it, it might make sense. I did Maybe. think that the whole crazy cactus thing was kind of gaggy overall, since it's kind of just there for, I think, maybe two pages. Luffy yeah. eats the cactus, goes a little crazy, and then it's done and not talked about again. Right. But I just love to bring up minor minor things like that because i feel like it really it irks you sometimes and that makes me happy <laughs> <laughs> now going to something that i think will have the opposite effect well, actually no this might might make you mad too we'll see oh dear usually i would consider crocodile to be smarter and more strategic than a lot of the one piece villains even to this day almost like he just he has a plan and he sticks to it but he also seems to overlook things a little too easily. Like, in this chunk, we see Crocodile realize that his plan hasn't been going flawlessly. Like, he learns that he was actually talking to Sanji when he used the Denden Den Mushi. Personally, I think he should have realized something was up when the response was, this is restaurant la crap. Like, <laughs> I don't see why Mr. Three would ever say that or why Crocodile would be able to just you know, brush that off as a nothing. I feel like that should have tipped it as like, hey, something's weird. But also the fact that like the unluckies never returned. He kind of is just like, oh yeah, that's weird. Yeah, and he does also just kind of breeze past the fact that he sent Mr. Two to kill Mr. Three. Yep. And he came back and it just wasn't done. <laughs> Couldn't yeah. find him. Oh, well, I'm sure that won't come back to bite us later. Right. And, uh... Like it just, it doesn't seem to fit Crocodile's character in my head, but it makes the story more compelling, so whatever. I suppose so. Things can't go 100% well for the villain in order for the heroes to win, right? But we as viewers prefer when those wrenches in the plan are caused more by our protagonist's actions than our antagonist just kind of overlooking details. Right, right. That's, yeah, very well put. Speaking of Crocodile, do you mind if I talk about him for a hot second? Please do. I figured you'd have a lot to say about him, actually. <laughs> well, I've got a lot more to say about him when like, we get to like, the conflict with him later. I've always thought it was a little bit strange that, in the grand context of the larger story, that Crocodile's bounty is a mere 81 million berries when he's being built up to be like this scary guy, one of the Shijibukai and all that. But his bounty is like way less <laughs> than any of those other guys. Granted, it was frozen when he uh, became a, a warlord and all that. But like Doflamingos, for example, I think, was like 300 mil Whew. when he became a warlord. Somewhere around there. I don't remember what Kuma's was or what Hancock's or any of the others were, but 
far below <laughs> most of the ones that I can remember, at least. So I did some digging into this a little bit. And it appears that Crocodile was offered the position of Warlord at a pretty young age. Kind of like how Ace was offered the position of Warlord mm. not long after first starting out as a pirate. And it appears that in volume 36's SBS, Oda was asked about this. And he was said, yeah, if Crocodile still have an adaptive bounty, taking into account all the Baroque work stuff that he was getting into, it would probably be at least double the stated 81 million. Okay. But even 162 million <laughs> seems pretty low when you consider this man was like plotting to like get an ancient weapon and take over everything, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, but I could totally see the world government like just seeing him existing and being like, well, shit, we got to keep closer ties on that. <laughs> like, we have got to keep that tied down. Pretty much. And I don't know exactly where the wiki got this information, and the wiki is occasionally wrong. So take this with a grain of salt. But on the wiki, it says that he was a New World pirate before he became a warlord. Oh. So to get all the way there with only an 81 million berry bounty is... Goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, weird. Mm -hmm. But since then, he's been like hunkered down in Alabasta, as far as the world government is concerned, kind of keeping to himself, taking out pirates in that general early Grand Line area. Right. He, he got that nine to five job and just kind of <laughs> sat there. Yeah, pretty much. He takes out the guys that come near Alabasta, takes in the cash, runs a casino, apparently, <laughs> and that's good enough for him, at least as far as the world government's perspective goes. Right, yeah. Uh, that's all I had to say about Croc. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I actually don't have too much more to say about the reread in general. I do kind of want to talk about the closing of our chunk of chapters here at 166. With Vivi and such? Yeah, yeah. It ends with basically Luffy and Vivi getting into a bit of a tussle, right? Luffy is realizing that stopping the rebels is not actually going to do anything like crocodile is the real threat that's all fine i get that but then he starts to go in and say like vivi don't don't do this alone let us help you like w was vivi planning to solo crocodile did i miss something didn't she bring them along just to help her do this i don't even understand why that part is being discussed i guess vivi's plan was really just to stop the symptom of Crocodile. Crocodile's the disease. The symptom is this rebellion that he's brewing. It doesn't really seem like Vivi had any particular intent to stop Crocodile. Her more short-sighted plan was stop the rebellion, then worry about this Crocodile business later. Luffy, being a, in this particular case, this isn't generally true, but a more like forward-facing guy, he's like, Vivi, even if you stop the rebellion, that's not going to stop Crocodile from going on to do other bad stuff. So Vivi's entire plan, as it existed in her brain, was nobody dies, rebellion stops, I don't even have to put my friends Luffy and the gang at risk. So basically, she kind of assumed that Crocodile would disappear after the rebellion stopped, I guess? Maybe, or it could just been like a one step at a time <laughs> type deal. We'll deal with the rebellion first, stop Crocodile later. But flipping it on its head, even if they just stop Crocodile, that's not necessarily going to stop the rebellion from happening either. Right. Also, like, those his plans with proof and yeah. such. A lot of the time, if you take out the leader, the people under can get pissed. <laughs> like, <laughs> it could spur them on to do even nastier things. You don't know. And that actually goes on to happen in story of alabasta later when koza gets shot during it the does. conflict and all that yeah so yeah i kind of understand that being a little weird but i still liked it for sure but i was like this is weird the way that it was laid out did kind of make it seem like luffy thought that vivi was gonna just run up and punch crocodile <laughs> which i think she kind of tries to do eventually but that's neither here nor there indeed <laughs> one last thing that i think i wanted to say is that Vivi's dad looks so much more snake-like than I remember him being when I read this before. Like, his eyes are very thin and <clears throat> a bit longer, and his face is long. And he just looked a lot like a snake. If I would have, like, 
been more inquisitive when I first read through this after seeing some other zone types, I might assume that he was like a snake zone just based off of his design. And his given name is Cobra. Right. So that, that does kind of check out if he did yeah. end up being a devil fruit user. Doesn't turn out that way, but no. Would have been cool. Would have been. I mean, we we see him handle <laughs> some very small fights without it in the flashback. <laughs> that cane chop is very strong. Yeah, <laughs> the cane chop is very good, very strong. But that's just a minor little thing I wanted to throw in here at the end. So unless you have any other specific notes here, I'm I'm through mine. Uh, pretty much covered all mine as we went. So I guess that pretty much wraps up that segment. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Again, no chapter next week due to Golden Week. So the podcast will once again be on break. Tune into our Chrono Trigger stream on the 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. Uh, that'll be this upcoming Friday. So we'll talk to you guys next time. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week.